everybody, and welcome back to the Long Lost Heroes podcast. Once again, I'm one of your co-hosts, Frank Marsilio, and we are here to recap episode four of Game of Thrones, the eighth season. Uh, the episode was titled The Last of the Starks, which I have questions about. Um, it aired this past Sunday, May 5th. Um, I'd like to introduce my co-host, AJ. How are you doing? Hey, Frank. How are you today, dude? I'm doing great. Um, you know, Mondays. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> so, uh, and then, of course, we have another special guest, uh, my former colleague, longtime supporter of our podcast, Brian DeMeo. How are you doing? I'm good. Hi. Um, so, Bree, you work in marketing at Arena Stage. Uh, we used to work together at the Kennedy Center, which was pretty sweet. Um, you've been uh, part of the crew at AwesomeCon um, in D.C., which is the, the convention in D.C. every year. Um, and you also are a D&D Dungeon Master, is that right? I am. Um, so I Dungeon Master for kids ages 9 to 11, um, which I think is pretty cool. I'm bringing Dungeons & Dragons to the next generation of kids. And then I do play on a team of um, all women. So that's also something else that I do, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And how was AwesomeCon this year? It was great. Um, so we had more guests than celebrity guests than I think we've ever had in the mm -hmm. seven years that the con has been going. So it was a huge uh, convention from on that regard. Um, and then there was a lot of like really cool stuff that was going on. I don't really get onto the floor too much, um, but what I did see was super awesome. They had like a bunch of tabletop gaming uh, things going on upstairs. We had panels for the entire weekend, which was really cool. All of the celebrity guests um, had a different main stage panel, and then there were all these different science panels. I know that like NASA is usually there, the Science Foundation's there. So it's this really cool kind of collection of, yes, it's got the comic book and the superheroes and all the things you think or expect at a convention mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of like science that has sort of been built into the convention and they have like a uh they call it awesome con junior so there's like a kids area and they share they always have a um like a small ex art exhibition or exhibition of some kind and so this year it was batman at 80 so there were a bunch oh, of that's costumes awesome. yeah it was really cool there were all these costumes from um the movies over the decades, which uh, was really, really neat to see. Yeah. If I have one regret uh, from when I was living in D.C. is that I never actually made it to Awesome Con. It, like, just never worked out, you know, being... Oh, no. Was, I know. So, like, maybe one of these years I'll, I'll, I'll make it down there. Um, so, yeah, if you want to find more from Brie, um, you can find her on Twitter at Brie, that's six E's, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Brie and J on Instagram, um, and Brie and DeMeo, B-R-I-E, H N D E M E O. Did I get that right? <laughs> you forgot my A the A. <laughs> B R I E A H N D E M E O. All right. Um, so yeah, we're gonna go and talk about Game of Thrones now. Um, the Last of the Starks. Full spoiler detail. If you haven't watched yet, don't know why you're listening. But um, this is the aftermath of the uh, the Long Night or the Battle of Winterfell. Kind of goes interchangeably. Um, Bree, what is your immediate reaction to to the start of this episode and, you know, the, the aftermath of this big battle? Right. So 
Well, I'm glad that we got our morning period because I, to be totally honest, was a little worried that we might just gloss over the deaths. Um, full honesty, I expected there to be more. I thought mm-hmm. we were going to lose a whole lot more people last week, and we didn't. So, um, I mean, we did. Clearly, the funeral pyres, there were quite a few bodies on those pyres. But um, but I'm glad we got a, a bit of a moment to, to mourn those people. I'm also, like, really digging this new, I don't know what theme song it is, but um, it was, like, the music that was playing right at the end of... The Battle of Winterfell, and then was it was like a more somber version of it at the beginning of the funeral. Um, I just found it really, really beautiful. Yeah, the the music has just been on point this season. Like, if anything is like really firing on all cylinders, it's that. Like, we talked about it last week, AJ. Right? Like, how did you feel about this opening? Yeah, I think it's fun. We've been with this for a little while. It's a you know, it's an interesting theme, and I like that they're bringing in interesting people like, you know, Florence Welk or Florence and the Sheen. She came on a couple weeks ago and sang the outro episode after being asked before and then declining. So, like, I don't know. Like, it's cool that they're playing around and, and they're, you know, being awesome. I don't think they could ever do, like, a full-on, like, Rolling Stones credit outro <laughs> like Entourage used to do. Yeah. But I think that they'll, you know, they'll keep having interesting you know choices till the end that inspire people to dig deeper on the internet and see what they're talking about and that's awesome yeah and i feel like so and i think obviously we all talked about it last week and pre i think on twitter you've, you've shared your thoughts and there's a lot of issues with last week's episode but i felt like this was a really strong start and i you know it, it could have been like a cold open or i feel like it almost would have ended last week really nicely as long as it was you know that that powerful moment of seeing the loss and you know John's speech is so amazing that like it could have really saved that episode in my mind but ultimately I think it, it got things off to the right, right foot um they, like what do you think about like how John kind of portrayed himself he feels like he feels a little different to me after this whole battle I mean I think John is as much as he keeps trying to balk at it is sort of stepping into this role as as a leader and he has a natural proclivity towards it um it's literally in his blood to to rule the seven kingdoms and as much as danny wishes it weren't um i think he's really kind of figuring out how to talk to people and and i think the other thing is he's always been a pretty sincere character so when he speaks to the crowds and when he is talking to people about whatever it is it's really coming from a a place that isn't power hungry which I think is really truthful for him and that's why he's able to rally people around him as much as he does yeah I'm getting like definite Ned Stark vibes here you know these Mm -hmm. are some of the things that he you know some of the the way he talks and you know the the way he talked about the you know the shields of men and you know like he took a lot of the lines from the night's watch motto um and i think it's just all all of his experience at like up until this point culminating here and you know he he really this is like this was his battle right it was his mission all along to to stop the dead and like you know from here on out 
it's really like not mentioned anymore. The the whole uh, Night King's army and everything. You know, they they allude to it a little bit in while they're celebrating, but it's you know everything is moving so quickly that they they don't really even like talk about you know the all the fantasy stuff is just gone. Like I, I know AJ, you you said that it you didn't feel so um, worried about the pacing, but do you feel like that we're we're just leaving this in the past, or or are you okay to move forward to the next step? <sighs> loaded, loaded question. That's like <laughs> sorry, the, buddy. That's like the loaded baked potato of questions right now. Um, okay, I, I have a controversial opinion. I think that what they just did with this episode, and specifically John's speech in and of itself, is if you think of these last three episodes, you know they're 120 minutes a piece. This is the little trilogy of Game of Thrones movies we're about to get. I think last, you know, last week's episode kind of concludes what we've seen of Game of Thrones uh, up until now. All right, like we've seen, we've everything that we've seen that's all encompassed. Kind of it concluded pretty much everybody last week, but now we're gonna kind of continue in like what is like the first part of a trilogy that's going to bring about the closing of the whole story. Like the, the, the dramatic element of what is actually going on, the big fight of who's going to be on the iron throne and what I, I think they're doing. And I think what it, what is tough for the fans is like, it sucks when they go from Winterfell to King's landing in an episode. All right. It used to take mm. episodes upon episodes to do that. And it, it would be, you know, there would be so much stuff that we do along the way. And, and, you know, I think fans do generally miss the experience of watching this show and watching the machinations of what's going on and all the downtime you have when you're, you know, living in this fantasy realm, uh, and you don't have, you know, your phone all the time. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of okay with it. I, I think that Jon Snow became, you know, I think that they, they're kind of setting Jon Snow up in a lot of different ways. So it's kind of like, well, how do we watch Game of Thrones now? Like, is it the Game of Thrones that we've been watching or is this the new Game of Thrones? And do we think that, like, as usual, Warner Brothers boardroom is butting their heads in someplace they shouldn't have been? And because George R. R. Martin didn't really get to formally conclude his thing, will this ever live up to the expectations that were, we put on it? Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it's it's definitely it's hard. I mean, I, I think we had always seen John as a hero character, but um, you know, when you have so many characters in the show and you root for so many of them, um, at this point, like we're we're really starting to see him butting heads with Daenerys, and you know, for a lot of fans that have been rooting for Danny her entire uh, you know storyline, this is like it's really kind of sad to see like crash and burn in the way it's going and um you know maybe there'll be a twist towards the end but like you know it, it, it kicks off with um obviously there's the celebrations and we have uh uh danny kind of put, pulling her weight around and saying you know like oh you know gendry of, of house baratheon now you have storms and blah 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 um but we later have a scene between danny and john where like they finally discuss um you know, his secret of being a Targaryen and basically what she's asking of him. Um, Brie, like, are you a big Daenerys fan? Have you been, you know, supporting her f f through this journey or are you on like another team? I mean, I've been, I've been on team Khaleesi pretty much from the start. 
Um, that being said, the way that her story is moving, I mean, she is the fire of the Song of Ice and Fire. I mean, well, John is the, he's the Song of Ice and Fire, but really, you know, John's the Stark, John's the the ice, and Danny is the fire, and, and right now Danny is heading, she's beelining it for the Mad King status, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she's totally. so angry, and sh- and she's so full of this destiny of being the the ruler of the Seven Kingdoms, and now you've got John, and that's starting to maybe crumble and fall away. And I think that the only thing that's going to keep her from going completely crazy is is John or some iteration of John balancing her out right maybe getting to her in a way like if you're if you're talking about the elements I mean you've got fire and you've got ice and they need to balance each other out neither one can rule on their own um I think that I don't know that the south would ever necessarily be totally on board with John Stark um, or Jon Snow, or John Targaryen. I don't know. What's his name anymore? What do we even call um, him now? <laughs> it's hard I, don't, to talk. I have no idea. Um, A-John? A-John, sure. A-John. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, I think that the only way for Danny, for the fire not to consume her is to maintain this partnership with John, which I don't know if it's gonna, if it's gonna last. I don't know if that's where the story is gonna take us or not. Um, which is really interesting because for someone who has been so team Danny and so team, uh, dragons, um, and I like the Starks good enough, but, uh, but it's going to be interesting these next couple of episodes. And, and also let's not gloss over, uh, the lordship of Gendry. I call him Gendry. <laughs> I know his name is Gendry, but I will forever call him Gendry because for like fi- the five seasons that he was not on the show, I couldn't really remember what his name was. Um, but I didn't it mean was- to gloss <laughs> over it. I was focusing on a set of characters. We were going to get no, back to him. Don't no, worry. No, no. <laughs> um, no but, but what's interesting about that is, you know, she gives she gives Gendry this lordship, but every every single word that she says is directed at John and the situation that they are currently in. Ooh. Because he talks about, I can't be a lord. I'm a bastard. She says, Mm -hmm. you're not a bastard anymore because I say so. You are the lord because I say so, because I made it so. Hot take, Brand. That's right? really good. I I, I approve. <laughs> Thank you. Approve. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, the relationship between John and Danny is very strained at this point. Um, you know, they they don't even you know really have that. I mean, there's a love between them, but their relationship is falling apart. And she basically gives him an ultimatum in that, like, you cannot tell anybody, or you know, my my reign is like it's just gonna slip through my fingers. And of course, John, being John, the honorable man that he is, cannot, you know, keep this secret from his family. Um, there's a, a lot of people up in the internet that are saying that this, you know, why would he do this? Blah blah blah. Like AJ, do you feel like this is within his character and um, 
you know the the aftermath that follows from it is, is like it's predictable but you know is it do you think he did this maliciously or is he just trying to really you know be honest with his family no i think you got to Jon Snow has to be a little bit more responsible for what he does. And like, I think that he, what he did here was like either, either he's like playing the game and he sees that Danny is changing too, or he, you know, is looking at the, uh, you know, how he feels about, you know, wanting to tell Arya and Sansa the truth before, you know, anything else kind of goes down. And I just think that, you know, for once in his life, you know, I really think that he should have just been, he just should have shut the fuck up. And I think that there's something to be said about how secrets are and like what secrets mean and, and like how secrets have kind of sustained the show. And I know that we're trying to air out all the things and, you know, create all the drama but, you know, they're they're going to make, I think, the next episode a big rallying cry for Jon Snow, where everyone is now kind of saying, you know, Daenerys is, has lost. She can't win. And we need somebody who can win. And I think that that's folly because uh, Daenerys, we've never really seen her lose-lose like she lost last night. We've seen her be thrown into bad situations. We've seen her be captured. We've seen her, you know, dealing with the Sons of the Harpy. But we've never seen her, like, go into a battle and just fucking get served. And, you know, I think that there's an argument to be said that last night wasn't really a battle as much as it was, you know, a meeting. And I think that, you know, uh, Daenerys should reconsider, you know, bringing, you know, just a knife to a gunfight because now, you know... Cersei is totally armed from the old weapons that they dug up under the castle. They have all these crazy arrow cannons that they can shoot to specifically kill the dragons. So I I don't really know how they use the dragons in this particular, uh, you know, uh, strategy. Uh, You know, I I don't, I don't really know what they're going to do. I, I, um, I'm I'm shocked. Uh, but I think Daenerys has something going on here in that she's about to fall and like that is something that like we I definitely wasn't expecting her to do. And uh I think it's going to be interesting how it plays out and I'm like sad to see it happen and I'm sad that this is the way it's probably going to go, but I'm thinking this is the way it's probably going to go. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's taken a dark turn uh, for her in particular. Obviously, last week um, she said goodbye to Jorah, or at the beginning of this episode she uh, put him to rest, and he's one of her. And you feel his absence at that party. Oh, 100%. Um, and then uh, just the the toll that everything – that she rushes into – obviously the show itself is rushing, but characters are making rash decisions, and she, instead of – listening to some of her advisors or obviously she, she feels like she can't listen to Sansa and you know, her opinion of rest the men and, and your army because everyone is weak. Even her dragon Rhaegal is injured at this point. Like I, we, we get the idea that she wants this iron throne so badly that she's like got blinders on where it seems very out of character considering all the, the work she did back in Essos. And, um, I don't know, Brie. I feel like it's kind of some of her decisions are out of character. Do you agree? I do, 
Sort of. Sort of. So, I mean, it, it's hard. I I think that there's a direction that the story is taking, and it's, it's a, you know, history sort of repeating itself. And if that's what we're looking at, then I'm not terribly surprised. Um, I think that she... I think that that fire is starting to rage pretty... She's never really been a great strategist, if we're being totally honest. She kind of makes decisions, and they've worked out until now, because she's been dealing... She's also been dealing with a lot of people that have been pretty terribly oppressed, and so she sort of comes in and is able to rally these people around her. Now she's dealing with with people who are living very different lives, mm-hmm. um, and I wonder if maybe that's kind of affecting her ability to uh, to progress forward, maybe. Um, she's in environments that she doesn't really understand anymore. Um, I do think that as she gets closer and closer to the throne and that that idea of her destiny um, is really starting to take over. I mean, Tyrion and Varys have a very serious conversation about how most of the... What are they? What did they say? Ty- Something about tyrants. The tyrants that, yeah, the tyrants that they've known always think that they're destined for the throne. Yeah. And she's had a pretty, pretty serious. I mean, she walked through fire. She has dragons, and well, now she has one. I'm also really upset at the pet owners in the uh, show right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, pet owners in this episode. You know, I just you see. Daenerys with with Rhaegal looking at him longingly and you know obviously he's already injured at this point she's flying him basically into battle like let let the kid rest he just did so much work and why don't you send a scout like she's she's literally flying a dragon she could fly above the clouds and she's just you know this is like a similar thing she did last season when she brought all three dragons with her up yeah. uh, north above, of the past the wall, and she lost Viserion. You know, th- she's making rash decisions so quickly, reacting with like her emotions instead of thinking strategically. Like she did all those years, all those years she like waited for her dragons to grow and build the army mm-hmm. and free the slaves, and she was so strategic about it and not wanting to rush to Westeros to take the throne. And as soon as she's here, it, it's just happening so quickly and it's slipping through her fingers. Um, it might just be momentum, you know, she's, maybe. she wasn't succeeding and then now, and, and then she was, and now she's really been succeeding. And so, you know, she's getting a little cocky. And I think she's being contrary to Sansa just to be contrary. I think you're right. A little um, bit. and so, yeah, back to the, uh, the reveal between, um, Bran and, uh, the the Stark sisters uh, obviously they get the information that John is a Targaryen, um, and of course that information is going to leak. It, it just <laughs> right. the, the the Westeros information network has has really bad <laughs> firewalls, and uh, Varys the Spider will always get his hands on the information. Um, AJ, I was yes. saying last week or two weeks ago that Varys has not had a lot to do uh, lately. And I really feel his wheels turning. 
what do you think like obviously he's hinting at some major things happening here but what do you think his strategy is right now I think he's in high gear. I think he sees the end game and beyond. I think he's a few moves ahead of uh, Danny right now. And, uh, you know, I also think that he's trying to set himself up to, you know, have a good go. You know, I think that Danny right now, like if we all take stock, like she's definitely at her weakest point she's ever been. I don't think that Varys is going to betray Tyrion or uh the entire army but i could see him you know having a very interesting um conversation with john snow and other john snow liaisons uh as he you know begins to curry favor for the king of the north um uh brie do you uh think you said earlier that uh you think john snow is like a really like reluctant leader do you really think he really doesn't want the Iron Throne? Like, he really doesn't want to lead? Or do you think that he just tells everybody this because he knows that it makes him a more, you know, charismatic leader? I think that after a certain point, we've seen him deny this, all this for so long and now telling his sisters. Do you, you know, do you have any, I mean, what do you think? Do you think he really cares or does he really maybe secretly want to lead because he knows he's the best leader? I don't, I don't think he's, I don't know what word I'm looking for. Like, I don't know that he's smart enough to be that cunning in his, I just, no, I think he's truly being sincere. I think he told his sisters because they're his sisters and he needed to tell somebody who might have a different reaction than what Danny did. You know, the way that he told Danny was just so strange and bizarre anyway. Um, and, I mean, maybe he is the most manipulating human being in all of Westeros, but I just, I mean, based on his character so far, I, I don't know that I I think that he's, he's pitching for anything more than what he is. I, I think that as he continues to gain a little bit more... Um, power and leadership skills he's sort of I think he's reluctantly stepping into it but I don't I think that he might in the end want to rule the north but I don't know that he wants to ever rule the seven kingdoms unless it's with Daenerys yeah let's let's not forget Jon Snow never played the Game of Thrones Jon Snow was off in the north you know, at the at the wall, he was beyond the wall. He never learned how to play the game. His sister Sansa is like one of the best game players on, on the map right now. And she, I think, is the one that's pu- pulling the strings and seeing that, you know, yeah, Jon Snow, you know, is not my brother. He is my cousin uh, or something. Um, but... They are still family, but she sees a lot in him that would be great leadership material and not the the rash decision-making that Daenerys has, and you know she just doesn't trust her. And so she sets this whole thing in motion, learned from Littlefinger, and uh, you know obviously I think she knows that telling Tyrion means that Varys is going to know, and it's just going to spread 
rapidly. Um, so before too long, most of Westeros will know and, and have some sort of support behind him as a Targaryen as well. Right, but I don't think it's going to be that quickly, and I don't think it matters that much. Like, I don't think the, the people of Westeros love a Targaryen. We're not seeing them all come to Daenerys' aid or, or her side. You know, we're seeing them all kind of, you know, back out. Like, the wildlings are like, peace, yo, we're done. You know, like, it's... Yeah. Uh, nobody's going to go and fight for her cause when they know that it's, you know, it's down to the dirty dozen again. So, and I don't think it's going to be a, uh, three-way war. I think it's definitely, they're going to take out Cersei or try and in the aftermath, perhaps John will, will succeed. But, you know, I don't think it's, they're going to pit each other against at at this point. Cause like, what does he have that? you know, Daenerys or Cersei, he doesn't have a great army either. So how could he win the throne without, you know, taking it from the aftermath? I think that he can. I think he, there's certain, there's something about the way that Jon Snow has acted since he came back from the dead. Like, and I think that it was interesting in this last episode when uh, Tormund was like kind of hitting Jon Snow where he was ultimately stabbed and like wounded. And like that was his like his mortal wound was that like the upper uh, chest. And like he kept like flinching and being hurt by that. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I like to me, I think Jon Snow is is a new character and he's like he's doing new stuff the same way that Danny is doing new stuff. I didn't ever think that. Jon Snow would like totally fall in love again, but you know, is, you know, it, it's his, is it his situation or is it her or is it everything? I don't know. Uh, okay. So let's talk about some of the other people in this episode that like, I think had some really fun things to do. And I want to talk about Arya and, uh, and, and Gendry, as you mentioned earlier. Um, you know, I, I think that they, they had a really cute scene. It's, you know, it's pretty, uh, uh, you know, I think it really, kind of shows a different kind of side of, of what's really all going on here and, and how Danny can kind of change things, you know, very quickly, but it doesn't really matter, I guess, if they lose. But uh, what do you think of that little scene between Arya and, and uh, Gendry? Oh, I was so sad from the moment he started talking to her. Because, I mean, season one, Ned Stark sitting down with Arya and says, you're going to be the lady of a house and you're going to do this, that, and the other thing. And she said, no, that's not me from the very beginning. And that poor boy is so stupidly smitten with Arya Stark. And I just, I'm sad for him. I mean, it was, it was a cute scene. I will say I, I had a better time digesting that interaction between the two of them than the last interaction between the two of them. I had my own set of issues with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think that, that they could have done more with that first scene between them and they didn't. And I thought it was a missed opportunity. Um, Ooh. but, uh, yeah, I, I'm happy for Gendry. I'm sad for him. I think, Arya cares for him greatly, but that's not her path, and the poor dumb fool is going to have to find some other girl, I guess. Yeah, there, there was a lot of heartbreak this episode, um, and yeah. poor poor Gendry was definitely victim to that. But he, I mean, he should have known at this point. Like, oh yes. Um, 
Arya's got this list. She's got. Uh, she still has a mission. Um, maybe one day, but I, I don't think she's really ever going to settle down in that way. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I love that. Like you were saying, the the season one conversation between her and Ned, but it, it also echoed when she reunited with Nymeria, um, mm-hmm. and she said the same thing. And it's not her. And yeah. And so she goes off with that hound again, and we get our our other favorite pairing. And oh, uh, my favorite. I, I hope we just get a little bit more time of them on the road. I don't want them to just show up in King's Landing because that that's the stuff that's so good between them, just the, the witty bickering back and forth. Mm-hmm. Babalu, we're going to get one scene of them on the horses and one scene of them arriving at King's Landing, dude. You know this is what's going to happen. It's okay. <laughs> All right. It's going to be – it'll cold open on them. It'll I, uh, $10 it cold opens on Arya and the Hound. Fantastic. <laughs> Um, okay, I I dug that, and then they seem to be you know perfectly fine, and she's on her mission. Uh, but what I also kind of thought was interesting was kind of Tormund, like we talked about this a little bit more. Tormund leaving, like uh, he kind of sh- shot his you know shoot he shoot his shot you know he shot his shot with uh, uh, Bri- uh you know uh, Sir uh, Brienne of Tarth. And, you know, she's like, no. And uh, she walks away from the table and he's like, you know, all sad. And then uh, Jamie goes off after her. Tyrion pours his wine in his drink. And then he's like, you know what? Fuck you guys. Um, screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, what did you think about this, Frank? Um, I was I think this was a, a good way to go with the the love triangle as it were um i think the relationship between Tormund and brian was always kind of played for laughs and so they give him this big heartbreak scene and you know he can move on because he's a wildling and he will you know find something else to to obsess over um brian and jamie i have always really loved their relationship uh them actually consummating it is interesting so actually this is a good uh segue um i want to do a little shout out to one of our loyal listeners um so my cousin and cousin-in-law i guess you could say my cousin's husband kevin uh wrote in to us and has a question that i would like to read on the air so uh do you think that jamie's in- intentions going back to king's landing are out of a sense of addiction to Cersei, or does he plan on trying to potentially assassinate her or something to that effect as means of final redemption? Getting a little ahead of ourselves, but I think uh, we have this really great moment between Jamie and Brienne. They have you know a night together. He's going to stay there. As soon as he finds out about uh, what what happened at King's Landing, he he goes off. Um, Brienne, do you think that? he is addicted to Cersei or do you think that he is, has some sense of duty that he, he's going to either try to kill her or at least stop her? I think it's a little bit of both. I think that because he decides to go after he's heard that Cersei has basically wounded their whole battle strategy. Um, and I think that he's been able to, forget about Cersei for a while and forget about that connection that he has with her and all that, all the things that 
that happened in their lives before he became the person he is now. Um, I think he's definitely going there to try to kill her, whether or not he's going to succeed, whether or not he's even going to get through the front gates to, to attempt to do so. I don't know. Um, but I think probably hearing all of the things that she has just done reminds him of all of the things that they've done, all of the things that he's done. And unfortunately, I think because he is in this new place with this new person trying to, well, I don't even know if he's trying to live a better life or it's just sort of come around to that he is living a better life in relatively. Um, but I think it's, it's drawing up a lot of things that are going to basically be self-sabotage, self-sabotaging. So, you know, he could stay in the North and he could stay with Brienne and he could be this different person, but unfortunately, which is usually the way of, of personalities like his, he's going to go the other direction. Um, and I think, I, I mean, I've said it before, I don't think he's making it out of the series. Now I'm really upset that he's not making it out of the series because what I wanted to happen was I wanted last week him to go out in a blaze of glory. But now he's, like, moved one step further, and now he's in this potential relationship with Brienne, and now my heart is just broken all over again. <laughs> and now I'm like, no, Jamie has to come home. Jamie has to, like, like right. finish it, redeem himself, and come back to Brienne and, like, continue on the rest of his days. And it's not going to happen. Yeah. And I hate the writers for it. And, and I think that's what was ultimately frustrating for me, is that yeah. it's written in such a murky way in that it can almost be seen that Jamie is going back to Cersei instead of being with Brienne and it's like mm -hmm. he's going to go protect her from Daenerys um, obviously he has such a, a, a the way he talks about it it's like I, I did all these things for Cersei and so the way he's talking to Brienne it's like is he going to to go protect her and I think there's a, a lot in there and I'm sure we will find out ultimately what happens because he will, or what, what his real reasoning is going for there. Like AJ, do you think he is, is trying to, to go kill her or is he trying to protect her first? And if he has to, he will kill her. I think he's trying to go have a meeting with her mm -hmm. and he's trying to kind of, you know, he's trying to go evaluate, I think uh, Jamie more so than Tyrion in the last episode would face an arrow in his head uh, a little bit faster than Tyrion if he came walking in the gates. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of how, uh, you know, we'll see him go out. But I also think it could be interesting and that it would be an interesting love triangle to see how Euron Greyjoy uh, looks at uh, Jamie and is like, what the fuck are you doing here, buddy? I know what you're up to. And mm -hmm. kind of to see the close quarters battling, you know, maybe, you know, in the Red Keep, if that were to happen, that'd be awesome. But, uh, you know, ultimately, Jamie heading back there, I think, is is he needs to go see his woman. That's his, it's his woman, like for better or worse. Uh, say what you want, <laughs> you know, Jamie Lannister and Cersei Lannister are probably the longest running couple on Game of Thrones. And, you know, they have a very strong love for each other that 
brought them these children and this horrible way that they all died. And, you know, it's only fitting that Jamie would want to, you know, kind of, you know, do what he want, do what he did with, uh, you know, Brienne and then leave. And it's sad and it's not fair, but it, it is kind of his reality. He loves, he loves her. And he, I don't, I don't know that I believe, I don't think he's going back to like be in love with Cersei. No, I agree with you. I don't think he's going back there to be with her at all, but he has to go back and see her and see like, all right, am I killing her? Are we going to figure out another way where Arya kills her? Are we going to kill her right now? Are we going to do a bigger battle? Like he has to go and like, see her. He get, he's trying to have his one last chance. He probably not, he may not be able to, but I think he's trying to go back and see her because he loves her. Not that he's addicted, not that he's addicted to anything else. He, he loves her. That's his woman. Right. And so he loves her and he would like to protect her if possible, but ultimately some of the things that she's doing is not great for the realm. And I think he feels like there's a duty there. Oh, she's a supervillain. Like she, (laughs) and and we saw her full arc come to fruition reality uh, in this episode that, you know, she really uh, prepared for this way. And, you know, if you, it's also interesting that she is a, you know, she's a queen and she's kind of kicking ass in a way that, None of the other kings could have ever dealt with this kind of shit. It's not that King's Landing had these guns on all the turrets, you know, uh, at one point. She had to make them. Uh, and, you know, very interesting and, and, and relevant to Trump. Build the fucking wall, you know? <laughs> so uh, I think it's interesting that she did that. And, uh, you know, she really reached her peak badassery. And I'm not saying that, you know, it was cool what they did to Missende. I think it's a little bit fucked up. And I you can see people are pissed. Um, but you know, I think that they, we had to lose some characters last night and, you know, I, I think that the show is going on too fast for her to stick around until next week. Right. Mm. Thoughts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. Um, I mean, so we had two major deaths, uh, this week we had, Dragon and Masende, and I think they were both. I think they were both uh, to fuel the fire of Danny, um, because. Oh hell yeah! I mean, they they were her closest beings. It's her best friend, know. and it's her child. Correct. <laughs> um, and I think it's also uh, to demonstrate just how ruthless and callous Cersei has become i mean she's always been a manipulator and she's always she's always wanted to rule and she's always wanted to be in charge and she's been pretty cutthroat about it but that was i think maybe one of of the more callous things that she has ever done yeah for sure and um obviously she gets captured during that uh the same uh battle i guess you could say it is it's barely a battle it's an ambush mm-hmm. um when ragel is killed and so you know they they try to retreat and and come up with a plan but they they just go there with again just a small army not even just like a, a bunch weird. of friends like to approach to meet like i just don't understand the logic is is gone um obviously she's very emotional and maybe she kind of assumes that she won't be able to see Masende again but um Unfortunately, Missande is her death as a is a plot point to motivate Daenerys, and it it's less about 
Um, her as a character, I mean, obviously Grey Worm is very impacted by it, but there's very few others that are. Um, and, you know, there, there are definitely a lot of people that are upset over the fact that they just killed off the only female POC uh, character on the show. But, like, let's not forget there are not enough POC characters on the show, period. So, like, <laughs> unfortunately... Unfortunately, no one's safe from from death on the show, and it, it's it's unfortunate that it had to go this way. But um, yeah, it's brutal. It's it's very sad, and it, it really ignites a fire under Daenerys. Um, and you have to hope that maybe she will take a step back as Jon Snow arrives, and maybe listen to some of her advisors because she could go in into this next battle with with Drogon, and she could lose him too because they are equipped and he's not, you know, immune to the, the dragon bolts or the scorpion I bolts. I do not know what she is doing with her dragons. She is the, like, worst keeper of her dragons, and it's just becoming ridiculous. Like, the, you know, at the Battle of Winterfell, why are you dropping your dragon to the ground? I don't get it. We saw the yeah. range fire. I don't understand why you're landing on the ground and allowing the dragon to be that vulnerable and then, like you said earlier, Frank, why are they flying so low? Like, why aren't they so far out of the range? Well, because we needed to lose a dragon this week. But but it's just, it's starting to get kind of stupid, the, the, the dumb mistakes that she's making as she's barreling her way. And, and maybe that's the point, you know? Maybe they really are trying to give little hints of the Mad King and the lack of logic and the, and that it's all being fueled by, uh, by fire and by fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think although they beat the Night King, I think Danny is, I think she's harboring a lot of fear right now about not being able to take the throne. Um, and I think that that is overshadowing all other sense of logic and smart choices. Yeah. yeah. And, and one really quick thing, AJ, I, I feel like they, the show has, um, because it's so eventized every week, we, we expected so many people to die last week. And then we have a couple die this week where it's like, we thought maybe Regal didn't even make it out. And then he's in the trailers like, okay, he's fine. And then, Oh, but we're going to kill him. Surprisingly, yeah, yeah. like right. just because they want to make sure that Cersei does it and pushes her over the edge. And, um, whereas she could have been just as, uh, distraught over losing him last week. And, and, but obviously because of plot, this is what's happening. Right. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's brutal and scary. Um, the other thing you had mentioned earlier that I want to go back to, um, because this really upset me. It really stuck with me. Um, because I'm a dog owner. Uh, like I, I just, again, so Jon Snow and ghost is what we're talking about here. Um, (laughs) that poor, that poor pup, he had blood everywhere. He was missing half an ear. It's just, so, I just don't understand. The, the direwolves were so important early on. They were important in the books. They were ignored for a while, and then they, they started to bring them, him back in in the past few episodes to be like, oh, yeah, by the way, he's here. And he goes into battle. He barely interacts with anybody. And does he live? Yes, he lives, by the way. And now it's, he looks so beaten and defeated that 
and then Jon Snow just doesn't even go to him to like pat him on the head and you know like have a, a good emotional goodbye with him. He has more of an emotional goodbye with, with Tormund. Like I know that they've been through shit, but like I just feel like this is the writers saying. Sorry, you know, we don't have the, the budget to have the direwolves interact with human beings. It costs too much money, blah, blah, blah. Because, like, it just doesn't feel like a character thing that John would do. They just didn't put the direwolves in the show for so long. And now it's like, oh, yeah, well, I don't really care anymore. I've got a dragon. And next week he's going to find out the dragon's dead. Well, unless we are going with AJ's theory that John is not really John anymore. And that might be one explanation for why he doesn't even, like, pat Ghost on the head. Other than that, I just don't get it. Because even if we're dealing with, like, okay, we don't have the budget for the CGI and to actually have the dogs on set or whatever the reasoning is, like, you can at least give him a goodbye. He's there. I was just upset. Also, I would never send my animal away. No, never. I get it. They've been in war and he's, you know, like, let him heal, sure. But, like, it just doesn't make sense. At least have a goodbye. Like, I could have I could have accepted it if they said had a goodbye. But it, it just doesn't make sense. And mm-hmm. it really upset me. And I just think it's bullshit. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry about this. Uh, I, you know, I felt bad that we're leaving Ghost alone. Do I think Ghost is really gone? No, sorry. Uh, here's my theory. This is the beginning of the trilogy. This is Jon Snow's trilogy. They revealed to us who, in fact, is the is the hero and the main character of the story, and it's Jon Snow. And I think people are going to kind of, they're not going to see it just yet. They may have to watch the next episode. But I think that this episode is the beginning of the trilogy of the rise of Jon Snow. This is the great, this is the great song of ice and fire. This is what happens when you become a hero. They canonize your story into something great. And we're watching the beginning of Jon's hero's journey in that he has left all of his stuff behind. He has exclaimed his new identity to the world. And now he rides south for his queen as he tosses with the fact that now you know, not, he's not only the king in the north, but he's the king of the seven kingdoms. And I don't think we're done seeing John grapple with what the realities and ramifications of that are. And I think we're about to see all the machinations and all of the uh, the uh, gears turning on to move John in that direction and build momentum for him. And I think something that this the show does very well is it can build your momentum only to you know snap the roller coaster out from under you. Mm-hmm. So I know that you know maybe it's maybe it's somebody else, maybe I'm wrong. But I think what they're trying to do and what they're setting up is that John is gonna win the battle. He's gonna win the game. And whether or not he sits on the Iron Throne, I think his fucking, you know, short mournful you know brooding ass is probably going to end up winning now um i think that they're trying to um you know change the way that these stories have been told and i think that they know that they do have to kind of end it and end it with what it's going to be and uh you know they want to reach a conclusion and i think that the only fitting way to really conclude it is to have the ramifications of Jon snow and and daenerys and uh, you know, I, I think we'll see, you know, kind of what the empire strikes back or what part two is going to be, you know, this coming week. I think that really the whole show has been building up so much momentum until the last episode, uh, the long night last week. 
And so many things came to a close, and so many of those arcs were kind of, you know, as they do in these movies, they close them at the beginning, or movies, at the shows, they close them at the beginning to kind of move on with the rest of the story, and they did that. And I think that now, you know, uh, we've reached a really low point for Daenerys, who is, you know, very powerful, and, you know, we're we're watching her kind of turn in in certain ways, you know, the dark side is, is strong with her, and... I think we're starting to kind of see how Jon Snow has to fucking rise and has to fucking be the hero he was born to be. Um, because the whole all of Westeros, I think, needs him. And I know that it's bad to say that. I mean, I'm not saying that I don't think Daenerys would have been a good queen if she had marched for Cersei before going to fight the long battle. I think it was a little bit, it, looking back retrospectively, maybe it was a little bit... Uh, selfish of the Starks to want to protect Winterfell and the people of the North, uh, you know, before, um, you know, going out and defeating Cersei, because if you can kind of, uh, you know, if they had maybe gone and defeated Cersei quickly, brutally before she has all these crazy guns everywhere and they're not fighting this big war in the North and everyone's not gathering to go up there, maybe, you know, they could have beaten Cersei. And then even if Winterfell is lost, you bring as many people as you can, you make encampments, and then you fight on. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's in the hindsight of knowing how easy it was to defeat the Night King. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, I, th- I think it felt like a huge threat, and it was really surprising that we didn't have Cersei's army coming up to fight. Um, so it, it, it's it's now it seems like Cersei's the, the one that is really going to be hard to defeat. Obviously, they are making bad decisions left and right and losing people and dragons and everything. So, um, I don't know. I, I think, I think next week they, they talked about it, it being, uh, just as big, if not bigger in a lot of ways than, uh, the long night. That's another long episode. Um, I think it's highly possible we get the Clegane bowl. I think, uh, mm-hmm. there's going to be, uh, a lot of, there's going to be a big battle, but a lot of character drama as well. Um, Bree, is there anything next week that you're really looking forward to seeing? Oh man, I don't even know. I, I think at this point I'm, I'm on the marathon run for it. Um, I feel like, you know, this week there were things that I wanted to see that came through, but we're at a point now where, where kind of anything can happen and I don't know what will to go towards all the way to the end. I mean, I'm on, I guess I'm right now on a little bit Team Tyrion's idea of marrying the two and having them rule together. I think for me, that would be probably the best case scenario. Um, Only because, you know, of course the story is about Jon Snow, but how, how typical would it be if the dude's the one that ends up on the throne? And then also if he is... You know, we go right back into the war of ice and fire over and over and over again. And, if you know, they want to wrap it up in a nice little bow. Um, then that bow is going to be uh, uh, John and Danny co-rule. Um, and if they don't, and if they want to send us send us out of this series with the, with the likelihood that the wars will just co- come up again at some point, then... Then you put John on the throne. Hmm. Well, let me we'll ask you see. this. <laughs> uh, wh- uh, 
do you have any plans for like the next episode? Where are you going to be watching it? Uh, well, so I've been trying to do this thing in my apartment complex and get a bunch of people together. I've got friends in my in my building that we usually watch with, so I might watch with them. Um, I may try to rally my building. We've got a nice common room. Or I might just, you know, sit on my couch and watch it by myself and have my reactions. I don't know. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot to be said about what Varys is saying and, and, and how, uh, the, the, the Northern men would rally behind him. Like the, his whole theory. And it, he did all this machinations this week of, of everything, but also can't forget that Varys is, is supposed to die. The, the red women predicted that he was going to die. So I think some of all of everything he's doing may come to pass, but I wouldn't, I would also not be surprised if Danny got caught wind of it and, um, hmm. and, cut his head off or burned him like some of the others uh so um we'll see there i think there's basically three hours left of game of thrones which is crazy for for two weeks um it's it's been a marathon so far uh you know after seeing this episode last night i'm really feeling the the drain of having to wait another week um i don't know how you guys have been holding up week to week but Right now, I'm, I'm just, like, impatient. I can't wait anymore. <laughs> yeah. I watch old episodes. Ooh. I go, I've been going back. So, Frank, I know you said that you had watched them leading up to it. So, I haven't... It's been years since I've seen any of the, the, the first seasons. So... I've actually been going back. I'm I'm almost done with season one and just kind of seeing um, how everything has progressed and, and watching that kind of in tandem with what's going on this season has actually been really interesting because you're always going to uh, see the things that are leading to the next things, but I think actually watching them at the same time kind of brings that all a little further to the forefront. Yeah, I mean, and they, there's the whole rhyming thing with it. You know, the first episode of the season mirrored the first episode of the show in so many ways. So, like, mm -hmm. that must be really cool. That's awesome that you're doing that. Um, yeah. uh, I don't know. It, it's just peak Game of Thrones right now. Um, so I, I don't know what else there is to say. We, we had uh, a lot of interesting moments. I think there are a lot of fans out there that are still let down. I'm still kind of in the middle of the road there. I've gripes, uh, but there's things that I'm enjoying. Um, I hope that there are things that we are griping about now that will be redeemed in the, in the future. I, mm -hmm. I don't think that we're, I can't imagine that they, we've been doing all this for all this time and it's going to end with, you know, the most cookie cutter ending that we could have ever imagined. The whole show is built off being, subverting our expectations and and doing new spins on old stories and i think we're i think it's okay to gripe about the story stuff and the acceleration and things like that and i think that we just got to be a little bit patient as as they're really putting us through the ringer of the emotional uh you know experience of war in this crazy world i think you're right i think we are <laughs> definitely guilty of fueling the speculation and the hype so <laughs> we are part that, of the problem <laughs> we are part of the problem so with that i think um we've we've covered this episode and um Bree, is there anything else that you would like to say about it before we wrap up i don't think so i think i said all my things awesome well uh thank you so much everybody for tuning in 
for another episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. Um, you can find us online at longlostheroes.net. You can email us at info at longlostheroes.net. LLH podcast on Facebook, and Instagram, and Twitter. Find us on iTunes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for our special guest, Bree, once again, you can find her at Twitter at Bree, B-R-I-E with six E's. Uh, Brian J B R I E A H N J on Instagram and at Brian DeMeo on Facebook B R I E A H N D E M E O. Thank you so much, everybody. We really appreciate. Uh, thank you, Bree, for being here. Thank you, AJ. Um, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.